Hey, you're listening to Block Thinking with Werner Pukert and Jonathan Gall. Jonathan. Hey, how it's doing? Hey, dude, it's been an eventful few weeks. I mean, I felt like I haven't spoken to you in quite a while. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we snuck a show in that we pre-recorded with Ahmed, which actually <laughs> I got, we got some great feedback from that show. Yep. Thanks, to, thanks to some of the folks who um, gave us that feedback. But yeah, it's, it's been a lot, a lot happened. Holiday time for me in Sweden, in the countryside. It was great. I went to the IKEA um, museum. <laughs> good times, good times. Ate licorice. I love licorice, man. Do you know licorice? No, I don't know. What, what's that? It's like a black sweet. It's like, a, it's got a, you either get it like in a sweeter kind of version, licorice or like salty. The, the joy of eating licorice in Poland is that it's all for you. <laughs> I have my little licorice drawer here. Um, I mean, because my, 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 ancestry, my, my ancestry is Dutch. So um, when, I, when I was a kid in South Africa, my mom used to give me zote drop or salt drop. And um, yeah, that salt is hell, man. And it's like awesome. And when I kind of introduced it here into my Polish household, it wasn't received favorably. I can <laughs> say it like that. Hey, dude, but the, the thing is, um, rambling on as we do, a lot happened. Stick around. I'm Wander Puchert from Warsaw, Poland. And my co-host is Jonathan Gall from Kielce, Poland, I guess. So how's business going, mate? Business is going well. So I have been working on that uh, e-commerce project with a West African startup since the mm -hmm. beginning of the year. I learned so much about uh, the sub-Saharan uh, African markets and their usage and doing, you know, user testing, usability testing, reviews, heuristic. Um, it's a very, very different market. I understand much better why a lot of European e-commerce companies went in, um, in that market and just crashed despite putting millions because, um, yeah, they went in, tried to apply the same principles that exist in Europe, except that, yeah, everything is very different when it comes to usage of internet and payment and trust. And it, it's just a different world and you can uh, adapt everything. That's why you need diversities in your department, people. <laughs> um, so learning a lot. Hopefully, I will be able to tell you more about it um, end of October, beginning of November, because I we should release and get out of stealth mode. Uh, super excited about that. I can't wait to have all the internet criticizing my designs too. <laughs> mm, we're going to talk about that bad boy when we can, right? We need that, 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 that might be an interesting show. I think you yeah, can take us through your, your, your baby. Oh, dude, I, I can't wait for why did he use all those gradients and this is too big. What are those icons? What is that font? And all of that. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be weird to be on the other side, but that's okay. That's life. And I'm going to go from that, which is the most important. So yeah. Business, business worldwide. Uh, my contract has been renewed with them uh, until the yes. uh, beginning of 2020. So they didn't fire me, which is cool. We like my That's designs, I guess, man. and my work overall. I've been doing a lot of uh, project, management, project management for them at the beginning uh, for the first six months. Uh, now I'm going to switch to, yeah, we focus purely on design to have a 
best possible release, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. And a tad, a little development also. I'm going to to use all that, uh, all those, uh, you know, front-end skills finally. <laughs> Get your hands dirty again. <laughs> How about you? Well, congratulations. I think the fact that you you managed to retain this client and the trust of this client. I mean, I don't want to call them a client because they're actually your team, right? Yeah. And um, how they, they've seen your strengths and where you want to grow. And they've, they've kind of sh- like helped you slot into that. Dude, like, well done. I think things are, are idling along great for you. On my side, though, um, and I want to choose my words very carefully because I don't want people to think that we just the happy, happy, positive show. Um, I've been in a few conversations with uh, a friend of mine. We've been discussing how, you know, um, in the last few months, uh, we, we, we've kind of like hit a little bit of a low. I don't want to say like emotionally, but it's like it's been a, it's been a battle. And I'm not saying that there's no revenue coming in or whatever, but just finding the motivation to continue and, you know, look at the positive of everything and really like maintaining the, the momentum has been for me uh, the last few weeks, especially quite tough. Um, I mean, one of the shows that we spoke about um, or we covered the topic of getting back into um, in kind of uh, cutting out the you know distractions and staying in f- on focus. I yeah. mean, I've I've been very good at cutting out distraction, but my focus has been lacking in the sense of my and my you know retaining that momentum of 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 doing things. So I'm trying to get back into the swinger thing. I don't know if it's because it's like the seasons changing or um, or uh, it's just been. Uh, you know uh, the holidays but uh, it's been it's been tough but still positive um i mentioned to you I, i've got a retainer client they happy uh, yesterday they said to me they want to they want to increase uh, more time which i'm super stoked about but you know i'm i'm i don't like speaking about doing my work in hours i like doing work in value so that yeah. that's something i need to think about a little bit because I find that for this specific client, even though it's like really working out well for me, like, you know, like trying to sit and kind of um, clock hours is, is it's probably part of the game that we're in, Jono, but it's like, it, I don't know if, if I can measure, measure my value in hours. Um, yeah, there is more to that, to that practice, yeah. I yeah, that. Um, the, the other thing is also, um, and to once again be blatantly honest with uh with with running your own business is that um one of my best clients that i love dearly um i'm at the moment like in this in a phase with them where um we're hitting a bit of a rough patch and um it's gonna cost cost me really um i've tried to figure out how do i get through the patch it's not not so much screwing things up but there's a few external factors like slowing us down a little bit um i know they're getting frustrated and looking to me for answers or just to help solve it we're not really finding it it's going in circles um from a business perspective for me personally i wanted to be a success i want to have um kind of return business from from this this client but at the moment i honestly um i have to say to you at the moment i just want to focus now on getting this project off the damn ground and it's it's been mm. it's been a struggle and um yeah it's, it's very hard you know not to go into defensive mode and saying to people hey this is not my fault <laughs> yeah dude and you know um i recently read a book i think you actually uh, recommended it and i forgot the title now i think it's company of one yeah, yeah, and uh, brilliant there, and and there also they reiterate the fact that if you have a company of one, a great book by the way, you have to focus on like 
delivery of, and it's not delivery of the product, but like really retaining that relationship. So with this specific client, I'm really like fighting hard to 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 make sure this relationship like pops out the other end in a good state. And I'm not even talking about return business. I don't want to sound like an asshole. I'm just I just want these guys to be happy with what we've done because we've achieved so much. Um, and then finally, um, I managed to strike up a, a small partnership with a, a former colleague of mine, a good friend. And we are doing some super sexy, interesting work at the moment that I can't talk about yet. I don't think people will equate me or align me with this kind of business, my mates. But great client, great partnership, super interesting work. John, I think you know what I'm talking about. I did mention yep. to you in the, on the fly. Uh, there's actually a second project coming off the back of that now. Really um Man, I'm excited, but we'll talk about that when 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 we go live, and I'll tell you about that a bit more. Yeah, um, yeah. So business has been interesting. I think you're you're on fire at the moment. I am trying to put out fires, um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that is. The <laughs> and that, that that's the reality of food and sink. Yeah, I, I I read that from uh, from another book I finished recently, as Gary V, and he was saying that our time you need to be a good peacetime general so manage think well when everything is okay and have your business going on but you also need to be a very good wild times general because it's going to be every project by definition being freelance it's going to stop at one point and you're going to have to start again on new basis so it's a game of identifying your strength identifying what you like what you don't want to do again um, for example, my experiences last year that were kind of catastrophic taught me the kind of client I never want to work with in the future, whatever the money is, um, is um, you know, sent to me. Um, and that tremendously helped me in my choices this year. Um, and I became much less sentimental about the way are making money um, as long as it's match my ethical principles and but I, I won't do I won't work for you know for very cheap anymore because uh, the project is fantastic because at the end of the day your best friend your best friends can um, how do you go school you not their not because they want to do it, but because they, are, they also are at a stage where they can't uh, manage themselves, manage their own company, and you can't finance their beliefs. And we had a common experience on that. Yeah, we shared that one thing together. Um, so right, right now, I'm getting. Um, I'm really happy of the situation I'm in. I do understand that it's going to have, it's going to end at one point. And, but now I have a benchmark, you know, I know how I like to work. I know how I don't like to work as a freelance. So when I'm going to be back on the market, I will have no issues to say no anymore. Where before I had issues, I was like, oh, I have a job, I have an opportunity, I need to try it. Now I have like no issues to say no to, to people. And this is a huge strength uh, that I developed uh, those last two years. Just to, to bounce off the back of what you just said, um, I think my learning from from this current uh, experience I'm going through is that, um, I mean, in the circles that I move in, and sometimes, I mean, I, I'm not, 
I'm not passing blame to people, but sometimes, the, you know, like when you have a conversation, the focus is maybe a little bit on, on the wrong thing, or maybe I'm shifting focus on the wrong thing, or however you want to say it. But there's this kind of idea of like yeah, rapid prototype, iterate, you know, and I think sometimes what goes missing, and and, and I, I've identified it as a as an issue um, that that I'm not going to miss again is that. Before you start rapid prototyping and designing something, um, even if you have the problem statements and stuff down, it's like get the damn scope down, especially as a business. It's like, what is the expectation? You know, what are we all doing? Especially if there's multiple stakeholders in the project. It's like, do we all understand what the goal is? Do we all understand what the damn context is? Um, back in the old day when I when we were doing Waterfall, we had like a, what do we call it, requirements document. Guys, go back, draw that damn thing up. And make sure everybody's on the same page before you start rapid t- prototyping, iterating, and pivoting like a bunch of dumbasses. Because um, I think what happened in, in this project that I'm struggling with is we really went off and did some crazy shit. And um, I think we've not gotten to a point where there's a, there's, a, there's a big stumbling block in the way and we're going like, what the hell? You know, like, how did we get to this point? And because we haven't documented the requirements in the beginning... You know, in the sense of like, okay, cool. It, it's really hard to explain it away. I don't know if it's making, making any sense. No, this, I have a very practical, uh, a concrete example on, on that point because one of my experiences last year, so I was working on another e-commerce platform. It seems that I'm doing a lot of those. And this time it was, it was for the Central American market. And... I had that guy and he seemed to be, you know, he was talking a lot about how much money he had and how much money he made with his business, that everything would go amazing. He would pay us. Uh, anyway, it was all good and he wanted to have it done, you know, a quick, whatever. He told us, so our main stakeholder, oh, I did that before. I worked in IT. I know what you mean, people. I, I can, let's go, let's go, you know, all of it. And we trusted him. A first mistake. We went in, we built the project, we did a sprint planning, we identified, you know, we estimated, we did everything by the book. But we didn't go deep into requirements. Yeah. It's not about not trusting, it's about confirming or aligning on what is... Because if I say I'm an experienced e-commerce designer, what does that mean? What you think it means and what I think it means, two different meanings. Yeah, so this guy w- was, I think he thought he knew stuff, um, but what we thought he knew was, yeah, how to say, his scope was 1 to 4, let's say, our scope was 1 to 10, so when he, when he told us that he knew, for him, he knew to 3, but we expected him to know to 8. And who's so, thought that, dude? It's your fault, it's not his fault. Time, and I mean, I have the same. Time, I have the same that, thing. It's my fault. Uh, that was that was a, a huge mistake. And but because I was pressed with, uh, you know, I wanted to have a, a contract and I wanted to have a, kind of a big contract. I wanted to have references. So I was like, let's let's do that and let's run with it. And doing that project, uh, we at each point of check, we realized that. First of all, he didn't really have any experience with working in IT. He was linked to a group that has an IT group and he, he liked to exaggerate a little, but in 
for us, it was dramatic. Where in corporation, it's okay and you can manage and find something. When you're freelance, it's, it goes very quickly south because there is nobody else. There is no hierarchy. There is nobody up or down. It's, it's your responsibility. And the result of, uh, of all of that is that we shipped, but what we shipped wasn't what he expected or... Um, he was very vocal about that. It created a terrible experience during the project because he didn't take the time to actually read even the card of the stories. And we had a lot of, oh, but you're professionals, you should have done that. And I was like, this wasn't specified in cards or anything. So after that, I did the mistake once more because, you know, you need to do mistake twice to really <laughs> understand it. I understand what was, and and now I have like I have like the most specified document for each requirement you would expect. We go through BDD, so we have cases, and I validate with user. I do double sign off, like I was. I thought that going freelance it would be less, you know, cool than the bank, and I became more arch than what I was working for my bank. I became much more arch. And the thing is, I think working on your own, you, you don't always have someone who has your back to check things. I mean, in fact, um, I do check things with you. <laughs> <laughs> I usually phone up Jonathan and say, hey, Jono, um, what do you think of this? Or you have a few ideas? Because ultimately, there is a bit of, uh, of sullenness that uh, kind of also plays in. But uh, I wanted to ask you, though, so for example, this uh, this first guy you spoke about where there was misalignment and you guys delivered. So how did you wrap that up? Because that, this is the thing is that I'm sitting now in a space where, you know, like, you know, no matter how much amount of emails I'm sending or trying to salvage this thing, it's just, just I mean, this misalignment is really bad. And um, I mean, in that project you just described, like, I mean, you at the end, did you put a full stop behind that project? How did you How did you wrap it up? We are satisfied on our side, at least. We are satisfied by what we shipped. Um, I still use privately that reference and that website uh, as a link to clients. But the client doesn't necessarily like endorse the work you did. Yes, exactly. Uh, the client, I won't, I won't use it on my portfolio uh, because I don't want people to discuss with that client. Okay. Not because I'm. Um, it might be very. Hypocrite um, on my side um, because I I did that work and I should yeah. be able to reference it. But yeah, this is this is a little. Comp there is no such thing as the rule of not building bridges when you work with little companies. They don't care. Very. I have no idea if he will say good things about me or not. Even though he wanted to extend our contract, which is the most funny thing at the end of the day. That's also crazy, yeah. And he, he told us all the worst thing you can imagine doing the whole project. But after we shipped, he was like, well done, guys. Um, let's, let's, do, let's add this and add this and add that. And we were so exhausted by this stakeholder in the project that we, we don't own your business. I, I, I told him that, no, I'm not going to go through another two months of this craziness. That's not going to be to happen um, because you can't, because we will need to have a proper project manager or project owner between us. And you don't want to invest in that. You just want, and I can do that job, but I can do both. I mean, I have done that job recently uh, two times, but it, it, there's just too much um, explanations. It, it's a full-time job to explain you how it works. 
I can do that full-time job and my full-time job as a designer and developer on the overtime. So we will need somebody else. And unfortunately, the relationship went swell. So there was no going back from that relationship. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay because, okay, I lost a client with potentially a lot of money and a lot of projects and uh, I will have some clouds from that. But I learned so much from that and all that experience helped me to get the gig I have today, to which I'm very grateful about. And it helped me to... Uh, I, I was put in a similar situation where I had to do both project management and design. And I was able to... Um, to do it in a much, much better way. I was able, because I had that experience, because I failed once. You're good only. I, I, I do feel the more I'm working, the more I'm, I'm, I mean, we read that in business school, but the more I'm really thinking that the people that are actually good at their job are people that failed a ton before. So they had their scenario, they got that humility and not just as a world because they, they really went in dark places they really felt what was to to fail at a personal and at an entrepreneurial level. Yes. To let people yes. down, which is the worst feeling that somebody can have. And from that, either you crash completely. But most people don't crash. I do believe, I'm, I'm trying to be positive on that side. I do believe that most people take that experience and bring them to well to their next job. And then they... Uh, they help other people. You know what they say, that if we were on a ship, it's because a sailor died. It's kind of, you saw those sailors, oh, this is becoming very dark. I'm sorry about that, people. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think that it was a bad experience. It was what I needed. Coming from a very structured uh, fund investment banking environment where everything was basically should already for me, all processes, everything. I went in as a freelance and I was like, I'm going to you know, do stuff, create my own stuff. And yeah, that was my reality check. And now on my current project, I'm, I, I've been praised for my, oh, how did you do that? And I was like, yeah, dude, I crashed my face against the floor. <laughs> like there was blood everywhere and it was traumatic, but I took that in. And I stand up and I was like, what do you do now? Okay, I need to move forward anyway. So let's take all of that. And that's the past. That's done. That finished. Let's take it with me to the next step. So your past experience is built into you, into what's potentially going to happen in the future. Um, two of the things that happened to me recently. I mean, in fact, this partnership I spoke to you about is uh, just, you know, uh, like former colleague of mine, we just got together we kept on having conversations we we shared ideas we uh, she helped me with a few things helped her with a few things and then boom some business started like blooming out of that and then recently i mean it was this was the craziest kind of uh, experience for me is that um, i've kind of been intentionally kind of really under the radar promoting my business uh, like i mentioned i think to you i haven't done it in the podcast is that i've kind of st- like I'm trying to figure out my brand proposition, blah, blah, blah. How can I position this? Which has been kind of a struggle for me because of the different things I do. But um, I went and did a Lego series play workshop with a mate of mine a few a few weeks ago. 
for a very very cool cool client um it wasn't the most profitable piece of work but uh this specific mate of mine is like a fun dude um runs his own agency had a blast um and then kind of thought disappointingly so that okay cool that's not the, the full stop to the relationship and then last week i get this email out of the blue from someone i do not know who wants to run team building slash team development workshop um, using the Lego Series Play method. And she heard it. I was the best in Warsaw. Can I do this? And I was like, like, like when, where, where, how? And then it actually turned out it was this mate of mine who did a recommendation to one of his clients. And I went like, I'm super like grateful, but it's just... How I mean, and yesterday also a former colleague of mine emailed me to find out if I want to do some production work for them on another piece. And I'm, and I'm like, I mean, I'm humbled anytime my, my inbox pings or my link, LinkedIn pings when people reach out. But uh, I think it's also like staying in the momentum and doing things, talking to people. Um, uh, I've, I've always been quite hesitant to do free work. I, I don't really buy into it. But, you know, I think strategically... When you invest, if you can invest, I mean, for me, it, it, it now has paid off, um, at least in the relationship and context that I've built um, up to this point, which is really great. And then, dude, before we jump into, because I want to get into frame of loop, before we jump yes. into that, I wanted to mention two things that I'm excited about. Um, I don't know why I'm mentioning it, but I just want to say, um, uh, so in two weeks' time, we're going to be heading to Toha. I keep on screwing up that name, but we're going to be <laughs> heading out to Toha Castle for the College of Extraordinary Experiences. So that is my frame of loop coming up in, uh, in a week and a bit's time. Um, um, that crazy experiential experience design conference with some really interesting people from across the globe coming to talk about the experience economy and experience the experience economy. So that's happening. Um, I'm fired up, man. Um, we're probably going to have to do... Uh, uh, record another show before I go because I don't know if we're going to be able to get something out. And then something else that's up my sleeve that's happened interestingly is that um, I kind of started dabbling in the podcasting production game because, I mean, we've been doing... Um, so Block Thinking is actually my second podcast because the first one I did was a drunken paintball-related show many moons ago. Hopefully there's no remnants of this show anywhere on the web. And then... Um, I started one with uh, Agashostek. We did the Catching the Next Wave, kind of did the production of that. They're now running on their own. I think they're either in second season two or three now. Um, and then I've just recently, I'm not behind the, the mic, but we started recording uh, another experience design podcast. Um, it's called The Business of Experience Design. It's going to be launching probably by the end of this month. I don't want to say too much to steal the thunder of the actual host. But, um, Jono, you listened to one of the demo shows. Um, it's very from, good. Uh, it's like, it's exceptionally good. The content is, well, yeah, people will love it. I do think that uh, people will love it. Uh, plus, the intro is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and it happened by mistake. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's been interesting. I've been dabbling in the world of, I mean, I want to, like, I mean, if people listen to this show, they'll notice that the... The rambling and the audio recording is not always of the best format, but now trying to work and working a little bit more structured, um, setting up the processes, 
I found it really interesting. Um, not the level that I want to be at yet, but um, loving to be doing what I really enjoy and maybe it'll turn into a business at some stage. But yeah, so the business of experience design um, is going to be uh, launching soon. So we'll talk about that uh, maybe in the next episode. Maybe have a little bit of a clip from that. Um, yeah. Jono, um now that we've spoken more than half of the show, um, I want to get back to Framer, uh, Framer Loop. Um, maybe a bit of background of uh, this event and then uh, some some impressions. So I went, yes, I went to Amsterdam, a beautiful city, uh, to Framer Loop, which is an event organized by the company called Framer. Actually, the event is called Loop or Loupé or, I don't know, Loop. It's a French word too, so yeah, <laughs> you will have to get with my French accent. <laughs> and, and it's an event focused around um, design, more, more, more specifically interactive design. So even if it's an event sponsorized by the design tool company called Framer, it's all the talk are not at all focused on tools are focused on design at all and the process of being a designer and acting as a designer. So we had um, talks about the ethical side of design, accessibility. Um, we had talk about the design process. We had two, three talks about the design process that were, uh, if you're a beginner in the design industry, I strongly suggest you to watch videos from Loop when they will be um, updated because there are a ton of amazing contents for beginners. Uh, or even not beginners, actually, <laughs> based on my experience. Um, we had a talk about uh, the design of yourself, which is a topic that you particularly enjoy. Um, and we had a talk about designing in Africa. You can imagine how I was like, yay, that's us. Yeah, designing with, uh, with uh, uh, on the African context. So things that we both know, but most people didn't know. You know, payments, uh, internet, speed, size of phones, uh, dummy phones. Yeah. That, 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 those are, uh, I mean, it was your daily life, it's my daily life right now. So, but everybody had Frame a Loop, you know, they, are, they were, the public was mainly um, based like Silicon Valley people, tons of Silicon Valley people, people from New York, lot of, lot of Americans, lot of Americans, and a few Europeans, which is fun. It's the most American centric in public design conference in Europe, I'm pretty sure. Uh, there was Irene Pereira that we already saw uh, once, and it was amazing because her talk was completely different than the one we saw last time. La, it was focused on basically their own story as designers and how they grew up and how they basically their process and their difficulties. It was fantastic, one of the best talk I've ever seen. Um, so yeah, so there was there was that part. So all talks were, I mean, quality talks as always. But what makes Loop for me is the people. It's unique. I mean, it's a. Well, I I know that some conferences have the same human aspect, like Beyond Tolerant or like um, New Adventures that I might go to, where people you no know, keep keep going back. Um, but 
going to Lupe was for me seeing all my Twitter fam live. So my Twitter fam, so yeah, basically the people that I follow and I talk to on Twitter, I got to meet most of them. And it's like there is that little awkward moment where you're like, is it you? Is it you? And then it's like, yeah, how are you doing? And it's fun. And, and that, that was amazing. That was, did you go into the whole hugathon? Did you hug people and shit? I did hug so many people. <laughs> I knew it because I was like, I was following you. I mean, I like, I get live updates on my phone. And Twitter decided that anything that you say needs to be a notification on my device. <laughs> so during your framer loop, adventure i had hearts and hugs and it, it was kind of a it, it was a wholesome experience it was a wholesome experience i mean talks where you know my my position about talks i i enjoy talks i'm never going to a conference on level for talks that's not going yeah, to happen yeah um if i go to conferences it's because of workshops so skills that i will get and it's because of people and framer had people I knew that. I knew who I was going to meet, and that was exactly what I wanted it to be. So I'm, I'm very grateful for meeting all, all those people that I can call friends. Um, people like Lily, my, my, my uh, LA buddy, it's, which is funny because um, people you have been discussing with since last year, you met them at the first Freema event quickly so it was like and in between one year of discussing together so basically bonds are created so second event we get back together and it's like hey hey how are you and all of that so that was cool and the workshops dudes those workshops so one of my friends were organizing a workshop about usability testing um, yeah, I think it was usability testing. That <laughs> was the name. Quick, quick usability testing with uh, with Framer. It was so well done, so well done. Where they gave us tool, they organized us in a group of three, and people were able to in the in the group of three, you had one tester, one prototyper, and one um, advisor. You know, um, but you that takes the notes during usability testing. And we rotated and we had like quick rotations, like super quick rotations, and we were able to show how much insight you can get you can get on a very fast pace once you have the right components. Because the advantage of Framer is that you can prototype experiences that feel real, that not that are not just queen like in vision, for example. Every time I'm saying bad things about Envision, I'm pretty sure one day I will have an interview with people from Envision and they are going to rewind all the bad stuff I said about them <laughs> and I'm going to feel bad. So I love you people from Envision. I used your tools for years. Um, I just love Framer and more because I can have those input buttons where people can enter data and see their data output it somewhere. Yeah, that's one of the sexy things about Framer, So right? it feels like a real experience. And they showed us in a relatively short workshop. It was, um, uh, what, it was uh, one afternoon, like uh, two hours and a half, something like that, um, how we could basically create those, uh, create a build. Yeah, the workshop name was Build, Test, Iterate. So create a build, test the build, 
improve the build and go. We had time to do three cycles and we improved. Everybody improved and it was such a huge success. We had another talk, I, I a workshop. So we I, fo I followed another workshop on uh, micro interactions. Where we oh, got yeah. more That's one of the things I'm really interested in, but yeah, yeah micro interactions. Exactly, yeah. micro interactions. So we got in more of the nitty gritty of Framer and how do you basically explain us the base of creating interaction using React uh, and Framer. So it was it was it was well made. Um, they gave us the main tools and from there basically the, up to your Im imagination. Micro interaction thing. I wanted to say something about it. It's probably going to be a real asshole thing to say, but I know there's this kind of pressure on UX people to be coding. And I want to say, like, people who are doing like pure interface design, they should be doing micro interactions by default. Because I feel like these micro interactions is like a, such an unexplored area, man. It's such a rich space. It's to, a skill in itself and it's hard to. It's. You can, it's not easy. You can learn to use the tools, but then you need to understand about interactions themselves, which is a field of uh, of, uh, of design by itself. It's not like uh, most bigger corporations have um, in interactions roles, specific roles for people that are just going to build and work on those interactions. I've been following. So one of the guys that, uh, that was that was doing uh, this workshop is Jodel Freddy Freddy Boy, and he has a background in game design, actual drawing and game design and yeah, yeah, yeah. moving sprites. Uh, because I mean, you know the principle of Disney about motion, the twelve principle of motions. Um, mm. You need to understand how people react to interactions. You need it's. It's a field in itself and you need to research. It's not, oh, I'm just going to make that things bounce. No, you need to have context. You need to have reaction. You need to understand why, why our people are going to interpret it. So they gave us the tools, but it doesn't make you an interaction designer. Interaction design is, is something you can specialize in as, uh, as a designer, like you can specialize in user research, like you can specialize in illustration. Yeah, but also, like, John, like, I also want to say, like, I think we, we, we should also, I mean, I think, I, I do know what you're saying. Like, you don't want to, like, uh, uh, you know, like, you need to know what you're doing. But also, I want to make sure that, you know, people don't think that they shouldn't be dabbling. Oh, no. Because, like, even when you, when, you when you speak about this whole user research thing that you guys did so quick, I actually want to have an offline talk to you later on. Um, I've got a usability testing coming up. And, um, you know, like, I think sometimes you put something like, it has become such a scientific role that some people just skip it all together and when i said earlier about um like people who love the kind of visual expression in the design space should be exploring micro interactions i don't want those people to feel like they shouldn't be exploring it or they need to have a degree in science or psychology to have it because i'll tell you why i'm saying it um just like last night's apple event when they started the event off and they had this video playing. Oh, um, they always one, had yeah. these like nicely elaborate kind of videos. And I sat, I sat there and I started noticing things that have come become kind of recognizable in themselves. So, for example, at some stage the video had like um, I think it's is when you um, scroll through something like a bunch of cards on the iPhone. You have this 
big sound, right? Or another one that that that's familiar is that when you press on the on your thumbprint on the actual display and it yeah. kind of colors in that your thumb yeah, or yeah, the yeah, 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 I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, it, I'm not describing anything at all. Like when you flick a switch or those micro interactions have become kind of recognizable of the brand in itself because mm. when I see it, I see I I recognize it from a Apple device. Um, some of the interactions, my my kid has got an Android tablet. I recognize it from a like a Google. Th those things are more powerful than you think. And I think there's there's a whole unlocked little world of things. Um, I know, like from a user experience perspective, that, I mean, you have to folk like make sure, but just to enhance and enrich the experiences, yeah. the, the possibilities are ending. So I'm, I'm kind of really excited that you mean that you mentioned that. I, I, I do believe that. If was, I mean, I am doing that. I'm not. Um, technically, actually, this is more of my focus interaction design. I mean. Uh, uh, and then I, it's, I did the opposite. I went in a usability test and and, and and all of that. I do think that um, the Pareto rules also apply to design. That I, uh, you can, twenty percent of the time you will get eighty percent of it if you if you allow the time. If you take the time to take the principle, it's I totally agree with you. Should not just skip it because it's too difficult. There will always be the last twenty percent of people writing papers and doing PhDs on it because. That's how it works, but you don't need to get to that point to be proficient and pro and produce. Yeah, and I like I I I'm always like careful to discourage people from doing stuff because um, oh, fuck I don't want to start another Twitter war <laughs> with my two followers that I have. But like you know, like you have to be a scientist or you have to. I think I think one of our mates actually mentioned it where you you have to have studied design to be a designer. I'm going like, which is bullshit. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> You know, like what? Like, I mean, I've worked with some really like people who've studied like no, no shit. You know, like and 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 I, I mean, the reverse is also true. Like, uh, you know, you know, like it's how much work you put in and, and how how you yeah. stand behind your work. And there is a lot of gatekeeping. There is a lot of gatekeeping. Yeah, going on. gatekeeping for what, man? The thing is, I'm going like the fact that you're gatekeeping is the fact that you're trying to protect something that is actually fucking easy to do. That's my opinion. <laughs> like, sorry, like if you, if someone is gatekeeping something, it means it's actually easy and he's ripping you off. If he's not gatekeeping, it means that it's actually hard. I'm going to use that as a as a quote. Yeah, for our dude. Show. I mean, the thing is, look at Gary Vee and all these guys, man. They they have the. I mean, Seth Godin, all these these dudes like they are telling you all their damn secrets of course they have a few in their pocket come on like i mean i can't think that there's nothing there and they have they they have their their objectives and strategies and stuff to make money right and then seth seth godin's made a, made a fair chunk of cash out of me already right so he's <laughs> his shit works um but i mean gary v i mean you did a beautiful review on gary v's book um on goodreads uh, i i went and had a scan through it. i read the book a while ago too right and he, three examples, explains exactly what it is that these crazies do. But the problem is a lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of people do not have the cadence to do it. They don't want to ship or they feel uncomfortable doing it. They feel shy. Um, uh, so that is the one thing is that you will still get your business. The fact that I'm telling people how to do a podcast or what to do X, Y, and Z doesn't mean that they're not going to pay me to do it. 
Some people can't be asked to do certain things. They'll rather put a dollar down and let you do it. The other thing is also, and this is a, this, I can't take any claim for this, is a mate of mine said to me, Vanna, I share all my secrets. I share all of it, right? Because what happens is that I need to get new secrets. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So in a way, by telling everything you know, you're pushing yourself forward to find other things. I mean, that's kind of my vibe about it. I mean, shit, I don't like... I, uh, I, do, I do agree. It's, it's some, something I want to do more. But, but first, do your, do your requirements document before you do it. Don't just do stuff. <laughs> yep. So if you're listening to us, you're designers and you have one specialty and you're interested in something else, just go. By, uh, ask people on Twitter. There are a ton of people on Twitter that will love, including Werner uh, and myself, that will love you, at least to guide you to, to, you know, to direct with, to the white books of the white people. And there is nothing in design that you can do. And this is even reinforced by the last event at Frame Loop that I didn't talk about. So I didn't went to the parties and everything because I'm old and <laughs> I had work to do. So I didn't go to the, to, uh, the night events, but that, that's okay. But there was another event that we do that the first time I saw that at any conference I've been, it's a community show and tell in where participants from, sometimes you have, you have workshops, in uh, conferences where people can put their subjects, you know, and we talk about that subject and they have like- Oh, it's quick, like bar camp or yeah. whatever, yeah. Um, so the difference with them is that they had what they call a community show and tell where people actually had to prepare. It was vetoed, so it wasn't just go, you just go. So if you were a participant, you could submit a subject and your subject will be approved or not. And there was like a one hour something session during which you could do that. So, the presentation we had were mind-blowing, were amazing from people from the public. I mean, and beyond the presentation, those people told us their story. And we had, we had, I mean, I'm getting emotional about that because it meant so much to me to see those people getting on stage saying, I didn't know anything about code before starting to use the tool. I wanted to do stuff, so I went in, I asked around, I read things, I was helped by the community, and I created that amazing things that you're seeing today that is used. Oh, there was one of the product designers from Zoom that we use, and he showed like live prototyping of Zoom, the use framework for prototyping with input-output of, uh, of uh, discussion systems. Uh, using using backend, which it was like, I, I know front-end developers that are much less skilled than what that game became, basically, because he wanted to do a thing. He found out step-by-steps, you know, copy-paste by copy-paste, explanation by explanations, how to do that thing. And he was able, two years later, to be at a professional front-end development level and we had a few examples um, few, uh, we had a few examples like that um, I had a tweet about uh, well uh, we're going to add in the show that I had a tweet where I kind of summarized my experience uh, during during loop and you will have all the names but that community show and tell man that was everything that was everything that was putting the community put, so you're going to that conference, you're going to do cool, you're going to see nice talks, you're going to have nice workshops, but at the end, 
and that was the last event actually at the end the stars are you and and sometimes you have that during events and people are like we love you you know it's all about you and you're like yeah whatever but instead of telling us it's all about you we were like okay last stage it's your stage so go on stage show us what you did and that was amazing that was that i i loved it i it's it created bond within the communities we are like oh you did that cool thing we exchanged twitter we had uh you get new people you're like what you did is amazing love you thank you for sharing that it was it got very emotional on stage people explaining where they were at uh like not having a job and trying to find something discovering that tool and being like i'm going to try to do it um and we'll see i guess and now they have jobs they are they work for amazing companies they are very happy where they are and they, they are able to get back to the community um yeah wow you got this far into the episode um it's basically at this point that jonathan and myself decided that um yeah we're gonna have to chop this episode into a two-parter i think our uh distance apart and the time we spend apart during the last few weeks uh, with Jonathan going off to Paris and me getting stuck into projects really uh, urged us to do a conversation that was way over time so we chopped it up in two episodes the part two of this conversation will be um, in the next two weeks or so we'll release that and it's really going to focus around um uh, both of us gave ourselves homework to go and read Peter Thiel's book um, Zero to One and yeah I mean I know Jonathan uh, kind of echoed the same thing there's a few learnings that we we took out of it some insights um, uh, kind of peering behind the curtain of how other people think um, especially in the startup world but there's relevancies and some controversial things and yes so stay tuned for the next episode of block thinking where we'll be discussing that and sharing more of our personal experiences about about building our own business and then we also have some uh, exciting things coming up in the next few f- few weeks um around maybe one or two additional co-hosts to share their experiences with us so um, and don't forget to hunt jonathan and myself down on twitter if you want to take the conversation further we would love to hear from you ciao Thanks for listening to Block Thinking. You can find more information and the show notes for this episode at www.blockthinking.com. That is blockthinking without the K.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes or any of your favorite podcast platforms. We thrive on critique, so feel free to leave comments on iTunes or get hold of us directly. Thanks for listening.